properly said, I am Pastor Cameron. <laughs> How are you? Wonderful. All right. We are continuing talking on the Great Commandment, uh, living the Great Commandment, fulfilling the Great Commission. Thanks, Emily. Uh, which is kind of our, our church's mission statement, if you will, <clears throat> and want to emphasize that and discuss that. And um, <clears throat> could you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you've given us your word that uh, leads us, directs us. You reveal yourself to us through your scripture. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, there would be grace, Lord, that our eyes would be open to behold wonderful things from your word and that we would be changed, God, as we just examine your, your teachings uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, there's been many times where I've been teaching it's usually in a small group setting. It's often with a college group or a younger crowd. <clears throat> but I've been asked uh, numerous times something along this line. Uh, you know, Pastor, I, I read the Bible regularly. I pray all the time. I'm, I'm really committed to church. I, I'm, I'm involved. You know, I'm, not, I'm not committing any big sins. You know, I'm not perfect. But, you know, I'm doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do. And, but I still feel like I'm, 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 I'm lacking something. What else do I have to do? And, and every time this question is posed, I basically uh, look at the person in the eye and I say, what you need to do is continue to do exactly what you're doing every day for the rest of your life. And then you'll have what you're looking for. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's always this look of, oh. <laughs> you know, because they're wanting something. Or and, and, and I thought of that, and it reminded me of another experience. This was a few years ago. I was on a bicycle ride. I was way up in the middle of of uh, up north somewhere. <clears throat> I was riding a, a long ride, uh, and uh, I was stopped at a coffee shop for a break. <clears throat> and uh, and so I was sitting there, and this there was a newlywed couple. Um, and they saw I was bicycling and uh, started talking to me. And they, they were really interested. And I was, I was going on a, almost a thousand mile ride. And so they were asking all kinds of questions and just chatting and being newlyweds. And, uh, <coughs> you know, I mentioned that they said something about asked if I was married. I mean, yeah, I've been married for over 20 years. And they were like, wow, over 20 years. <laughs> and uh, they were like, so, so what's the secret? And I'm like, the secret to what? And they were like, the secret to being married so long. So I said, that's easy. And they were like they were just both looking at me. I was like, don't get a divorce. <laughs> and they were like, oh, and chuckled. Well, I was serious. I mean, just don't get a divorce. You'll be married a long time before you know it. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I know it, it sounds funny, but it's true, okay? And, and the point I'm, I'm making is that, uh, uh, you know, people are often looking for a little secret, you know? They want to know what's the, what's the secret? What's the, what else do I need to do? What's the little part that I need to make everything fall into line? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if they can find that one missing element, they think that everything will be okay, all right? And that's generally not always true, all right? Often we want a breakthrough, and br I believe in breakthroughs, okay? Uh, moments in your life where uh, things that have hindered you, you, God reveals something and you have a breakthrough and you go to a new level, all right? And that's great. There's a truth to that that cannot be denied. There are often times where we need that. But <clears throat> most often, life requires building, 
Okay? And building upon solid foundation. The difference between breakthrough and building. Alright? And so building is doing something day in, day out, consistently and faithfully over years that builds something solid. Alright? And people want breakthrough and breakthrough is fine, but most of life is built Layer upon layer, line upon line. And the great commandment is all about having the right foundations in your lives, okay? Having the right foundation that you can build on, something that's stable and solid, all right, that you can build on. A teacher once came to Jesus uh, to ask him a question. <clears throat> Those two people, the newlyweds, happened to be teachers. I, I left that out of the story. I thought it tied in really well. <laughs> but I forgot to say it. <laughs> a teacher came to, to Jesus and asked him a question. They, this teacher wasn't looking for a, a, a breakthrough revelation. Uh, he was actually trying to catch Jesus in a theological trap. Uh, and try to get Jesus to say something that they could then argue why Jesus was wrong. And we find this in Matthew 22, and this is the text that the video uh, uh, was based on. It says, Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law, all of the law and the prophets. And we talked about what that means to be the first and great commandment. We looked at what it means to love God with your whole heart last week. We're going to move on and discuss a little bit about <clears throat> what it means to love God with your whole soul. When I came across this um, uh, excerpt from a commentary <clears throat> concerning the Great Commandment, and this is written by Clark several hundred years ago, <clears throat> it says, This is the first and great commandment. Um, it is so in its antiquity, listen up, being as old as the world and engraven originally on our very nature. In dignity... As directed, as directly and immediately preceding front and referring to God, it's in the forefront. In excellence, being the commandment of the new covenant and the very spirit of the divine adoption. In justice, because it alone, it, this great commandment, it alone renders to God His due prefers Him before all things, and secures to Him His proper rank in relation to them. He's first. This is the first and great commandment. In sufficiency, being capable of making uh, men holy in this life and happy in the other. Very important. In fruitfulness, because it is the root of all commandments and the fulfilling of the law. In virtue and ephesus, ephesus, I can never say that, effectiveness. Because by this alone, God reigns in the heart of man, and man is united to God in fulfilling this commandment. Are you hearing this? In extent, this commandment, leaving nothing to the creature which does not refer to the Creator. In necessity, being absolutely indispensable. In duration, Ever to be continued on earth and never to be discontinued in heaven. This is the one commandment that we will have to keep eternally. We won't struggle with thou shalt not, you know, steal in heaven. But we will always have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. 
The greatest commandment is not merely a thing we're to do or not to do. It's not merely a behavior, but it's to love the Lord with our whole being and every part of our being. All right, that, that in saying that and in, in understanding this, it doesn't in any way lessen the importance of particular behaviors. All right. As Jesus teaches us clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, if you read through that, He compares specific behaviors and, and the, the demands placed on a follower of Christ, the morality expected uh, to, for Christ followers, far exceeds the moral requirements of the law. It is said of old, you shall not murder, but I say you shall not you know, hate. You know, if you hate someone, you've, you've murdered him, you know, in your heart. <clears throat> you know, it says of old, do not commit adultery. But I say, and you, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery. And so the level of behavioral morality is higher, all right, um, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the Christian faith. <clears throat> it gets down, instead of identifying a particular behavior, it gets to the motivation of all of our behavior. Okay, so this applies to all of our behavior and that all of our behavior must be motivated out of love for God. It puts him first and foremost, Um, limiting the greatest commandment to a particular law or a particular behavior would be too little. Okay, it would be belittling. Um, this applies to every thought, every word, every deed must proceed from uh, and be preceded by our love for God. Our relationship with God has to be the motivating force, a directing influence of all of our thought, all of our behavior, all of our activity. And so this greatest commandment, I was thinking... <clears throat> Last night and, and this morning and on the way in, um, I felt uh, just uh, uh, led by God to say this. So here it is. You know, it's, this is the greatest commandment, but most people write it off as, oh, that's, that's an easy one. Often we think of the other commandments as being the hard ones. It's so hard for me not to commit adultery, not to lust, not to lie, not to, you know, do this or do that. And we struggle with it. And, and I'm like, this is the greatest one. Maybe this one actually is the most difficult to implement. All right? And we do it through the strength that God gives. But that doesn't mean we don't, you know, he's saying we have to put our all into this. Okay? And so it's not just one behavior or one activity that God is talking about, but He's saying this has to apply to every aspect of your life and that the love of God must influence and must be the guiding force of everything. When I think about that and say, how am I going to apply that into my life? That's not something small or something that we just pass over. That's huge. Okay? And, and learning how to, how to apply that on a daily basis, uh, should actually be almost a, a consuming aspect of our life. How am I going to love God wholly, completely, in this situation or that situation? Well, we want to talk a little bit about uh, what it means to love God with our whole soul. We're to love God with all of our heart. We talked about that last week. And all of our soul. <clears throat> And so, let me just give you a definition of what that word means. In the Greek, it's, it's um, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, but, um, you know, it's all Greek to me. 
<laughs> Suke is the root word from which we get psychology. Okay, that's the most common. It's the same Greek uh, word. It involves more than just uh, the intellect, right? Uh, but the combination of thoughts and feelings and motivations. Uh, in the in the Strong's, uh, it's uh, 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 defined uh, again: suko, breath. Uh, literal. The literal uh, translation is a breath, which but different from spirit. Um, which is pneuma, we'll talk about that in a little bit, <clears throat> but it is a, a spiritual aspect of our being, um, abstract or concrete. <clears throat> a good way to understand it is the animal sentient principle, okay? In other words, that which makes something sentient. If you understand what that word, if you're a sci-fi fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's the part of a, a, a being that is self-aware, all right. Consciousness is is one way to think of it. Um, <clears throat> uh, distinguished on the one hand from Numa, which is the rational or immortal soul, and on the other hand from Zoe, which is a baby, <laughs> the Gazi's baby. No, <laughs> Zoe, which just means life or vitality. All right. So there's three separate words that kind of are similar in meaning, uh, but uh, that refer to different aspects of life. And it's interesting, they correspond exactly to three Hebrew words that have the same emphasis. Uh, one being just the, uh, the, suk, the, 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 what we're talking about today, the suke or the, uh, uh, the soul, and then the pneuma in the Greek, uh, and in the Hebrew, it's a ruach, which means uh, uh, the spirit, all right? And then zoe, which just means uh, physical life or being alive. Um, um, and so it's interesting that they correlate in both the new and the old. Um, another uh, dictionary defines it as the seat of feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. All right? Um, the human soul, insofar as it's constituted, that by the right use of the aids offered to it by God, can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. All right, that part of us, that when helped by God, can really connect with God in a spiritual way. The soul regarded as a moral being designed for everlasting life. That's a good way to think of it. So our soul, what is our soul? It's that part of us. Uh, it's part of our being, but it's designed for more, uh, for uh, uh, everlasting to be in relationship with God. Um, the soul is the essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death. Okay, so we have our physical body, but then we have our soul. <clears throat> and and as as Christians, you know, we we believe that we continue on. Maybe you haven't heard this. <laughs> there's life after death, right? Uh, and so there's this soul aspect of us, as well as a spirit. And, and, and we die, and then in the resurrection, we're given a new physical body that our soul then inhabits. All right, so there's a, 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 a separate aspect of our being. <clears throat> okay, the division between the heart, the soul, and the mind, and the body is not clear and precise. Like we'd like it to be. <laughs> Alright? Um, they overlap. Um, there's quite a bit of overlapping. And so a good way to, to, to think of this is that, uh, you know, you have different spheres uh, or aspects of your life um, that overlap. 
and one being the heart and the soul and then the mind or strength as that word is also uh, and they're distinct yet they overlap and interact significantly and so uh, some people go to a great uh, lengths to define which part is which, but it kind of breaks down if you try to get too detailed uh, because we're complex beings. We're not simple uh, and they do overlap. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's suke and numa. Alright? And the joints and marrow, that's our body, like where does the, a bone end and the marrow begins? That's so precise, down into the deepest, most precise parts. And is a discerner of the thoughts, or mind, and intents of the heart. So that scripture involves all the different parts of us. And it says the word of God is that which comes in and actually can divide between and pierce right down to the middle. And I believe it's only the word of God that can actually differentiate between what is heart issue, what is soul issue, what is mind and body issue, what is spirit issue. God's word, because he created it, us, is able to pierce down and reach to the part that we need. And sometimes we can't differentiate, but God can differentiate, and He knows which area needs to be dealt with. <clears throat> now, there is a difference between, uh, like I said in this scripture in Hebrews, the spirit and the soul. You know, and God's word is a discerner between the soul, or, our suke, and our pneuma, our spirit. And there's a spirit man, or a spirit person, as well as our soul. Alright, and I'm not talking about that part of us today, but our, our, we're having a class on that, on that this coming Saturday, and that's what she's going to talk about. This whole other aspect that actually is often ignored uh, by much uh, Christian teaching is our spirit being as differentiated from our soul. So I'll let, if you're interested in that, you want to come to the, the, the thing on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> what we need to understand here is that the commandment is that we are to love God with our whole soul. Is that what it says? Hello? Yeah. Okay, so what are, we're to love God with what? Our, all of our... All of our... And all of our mind. Okay, so those are commandments. And if God commands you to do something, do you think you can do it? Would God ask you to do something that's impossible? Huh? Okay. So it's possible for you to love God with your whole soul. Not only is it possible, but you are responsible to love God with your whole soul. Would that be true? Why are you responsible to love God with your whole soul? Because He told us to. And He's our Lord. <laughs> and He doesn't do it for His sake. This is for our sake. Alright? Right? Because God loves us. And because He loves us completely, He's saying for you to have the most benefit out of life, for you to get what, you, what I've created for you, you need to be in love relationship with me. <clears throat> Alright. So this means that we are to love God with that, that part of our being that is wrapped up in feelings and desires, affections and aversions. Okay? The whole part of our being that falls under the category of psychology. 
I'm trying to think, what's the best way for me to communicate this? And I really think that this is the best way for me, anyway, is that everything that we put in the box, psychology, okay, that's soul issues. All right? Mind, intellect. We can understand, and we'll talk about the mind next week, all right? Truths, facts, you know? Uh, and, and, and heart, we talked about last week, and being complete and whole in living God. But what about this soul? Well, it's the root word for psychology. It is actually, I mean, we actually pulled that out of Greek and pulled it into English because that's what it means, and that's the word Jesus chose, and God chose to say, that whole aspect of you is to love God. Right? With all of your psychology. Okay, so every part of you that has to do with your psychology is to be in love with God. All right, it's the part of us that falls in love. All right, or gets depressed. It's the part of us that gets depressed or anxious. Okay, or excited. Right, those things are not rational. Often, right. They're, they're an emotional, psychological response to various things because of a lot of different stuff. But God says, yeah, with all of that part of you, you need to love God. That God needs to be the focus. God needs to be the source. All of that aspect, all of your soulish part of you needs to be, needs to love God. Now, <clears throat> <laughs> That's right, I have one. Right here, see? She must think I need some water. Do I? Does my water? I will remember that the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I was I was preaching a sermon, and I went to make a point. My my lips stuck together. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, we're to love God with all of our soul. We're to love God with all of our psychology. Everything that falls into that aspect of life. The part of us that gets depressed, that part of us needs to be in love with God. The part of us that gets excited, the part of us that jumps out of our seat when our favorite sports team's about to, to, to score a point, or jumps out of our seat and out of another emotion when the opponent just scored a point, <laughs> that part of us is a very important part of us. It's as important as our mind. In our heart. <clears throat> and it's to be in love. Well, what does love mean? Let me read it again from Clark. I love this. It's almost poetic. What is love? This is how he defines love. A pleasing surrender of friendship to a friend. An identity or sameness of soul. Huh? That means our psychology, our souls to be same. Like. You know? You talk about soulmates. That's what we are to be with God. That we have an identity 
That is, we identify with Him because we're the same on the inside. A sovereign preference given to one above all others, present or absent. A concentration of all the thoughts and desires in a single object. That's how He defines love. Wow! Which a man prefers to all others. Apply this definition to love, which God requires of his creation, and you will have the most correct view of the subject. Hence it appears that by this love, the soul eagerly cleaves to, affectionately admires, and constantly rests in God, supremely pleased and satisfied with him as its portion, that acts from him as its author, for him as its master, and to him as its end. Okay? From for and to. That by it, <clears throat> this love, all the powers and faculties of the mind are concentrated in that through it, an identity or sameness of spirit with the Lord is acquired. So as you focus completely, as you love God with all your heart, all of your psyche, all of your soul, then you come into unity or sameness of spirit with the Lord. The man or woman being made a partaker of the divine nature, which is promised to us in Scripture. Having the mind in him which was in Christ, also another promise in Scripture. And thus dwelling in God and God in him. So we actually live in him and God lives in us. And the problem with most <clears throat> soul issues, all right, is that our, uh, our soul is... Uh, focused on ourselves rather than uh, eagerly cleaving to, affectionately admiring, and constantly resting in God. All right. Uh, uh, um, uh, when, when we when we deal with soul issues, this whole part of us here, um, too often we get con- we just think soul issues psychology is all about us. And Jesus and God, actually all through the Old Covenant, is saying, no, this part of you needs to love me. And when this part of you loves me completely, then you'll be in unity with Him. Alright? And He can rule that part of you. And so that part of you isn't going to be pulled off in different directions or, or, or torn apart. And fractured. And I just want to challenge you. Um, and I think this has just been challenging me. Right? If this is the mind and this is the soul, there's a part that overlaps, right? We might call that the conscious part of us. And then there's this whole unconscious part. Alright? And so much of life is controlled by our unconscious. Whose unconscious is it? In, in, in you. Who's unconscious? It's yours. So are you responsible for it? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else is. <laughs> and so God's saying you need to love God with your unconscious mind as well as your conscious mind. Huh. How do you do that? Well, I think if you start by focusing all of your attention, concentrating all of your thoughts and desires on, on the single object of God and your relationship with Him, see, that influences your subconscious. Your subconscious can be brought into alignment with God. Okay? Into relationship with God. So that your whole being is in love. 
That's the point. Your soul is in love. And so every aspect of you is in love. It's all about being in love with God. So uh, a lot of secular teaching on, on psychology and soul issues and also uh, most self-help uh, stuff and you know stuff you see on talk shows on TV and even most Christian books on soul issues focus on the soul. When God's saying the focus of the soul needs to be on Him, all right? And that's where you find release or relief or healing for your soul issues. When you bring that soul issue into Christ or into relationship, all right? It doesn't diminish in any way the reality of uh, psychological problems, okay? Uh, uh, depression or anxiety or, uh, you know, uh, double-mindedness or you fill in the blank, okay? It's giving you the solution to them, all right? Is that you need to take those and bring them into Christ. <clears throat> and so often what we think, I'm going to, uh, well, let me just do it here. You know, we have a, uh, an issue. I want it bigger. We, uh, you know, we have God... <clears throat> And uh, we have me, right? And then, and then we have this issue. Let's call it, you know, uh, <clears throat> this uh, uh, d- depression or something. This black stuff right here. It's like, if I can just... And this, this black thing is just consuming us. Uh, <clears throat> weighing us down, right? It's big, it's black. <clears throat> if, if, I can, <clears throat> if I can deal with my depression, then I'll have a better relationship with God and other people. And God says, no. No. He says, that's, that's fracturing your life. That's breaking yourself into pieces. Okay? As though this part of you didn't belong in God. But the Bible says you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that means all of you is in God. And the way you need to embrace this <clears throat> is that You don't deal with this apart from your relationship with God. You don't go to God for help in dealing with this. You realize that you're in God. And this depression, or this lust, or this deceit, or this uh, um, unfaithfulness, uh, lack of diligence. You know, any one of the other laws, any one of the other issues of life, is not something distinct from your relationship with God, but that your love for God actually consumes. You know what? God's big enough to take that part of you. Alright? And, it, and, and, and it's when you love God with all of your soul, is that you're bringing that part into your relationship with God. You're allowing your depression to be swallowed up by His joy. Okay, you're allowing your loneliness to be swallowed up by His love. All right, it's it, 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 you're allowing your impure thoughts to be overcome by His pure thoughts. All right, you're. It's not as much as you inviting God into your problem, although that's that's usually the best way to think of it. Because you have a problem or an issue that you're struggling with, and functionally how you can overcome this or or how you can apply this is to say, God, I'm struggling with this depression. I want 
I, I bring this to you with me. All right? And, and stop seeing it as something apart from yourself. But say, hey, this is my soul. And I want, I want to love you with this. I want this part of me to be in love with you. I want to see you in a way that this aspect, whatever it is, and all of what it is, 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 is swept off my feet by your holiness, your purity, your loveliness, your attractiveness. You know, when you see somebody that's attractive and, and you know, you're just swept off your feet, that, that, that feeling, or you meet someone that you fall in love with, you're swept, every part of you is just consumed by them. And that's what God is calling us to. And is that easy? I would say no, it's not easy. Alright? But it's commanded. And if it's commanded... God is able to empower you to do it. Alright? Uh, <clears throat> and that when we love God, not only with our whole heart and mind, but when we allow our psychology to be consumed, to be, uh, uh, to be joined with Christ, um, the, you know, uh, the goal of inner healing and counseling ministry really is, and this is, Clark wrote this 300 years ago, says that the whole man is willingly surrendered to the Most High. Alright? Willingly surrender your depression. Okay? It doesn't mean it will go away overnight. It may take years. Willingly surrender anxiety issues. Willingly surrender whatever the issue is that you're struggling with. That soul issue. Uh, you surrender it to Him. You, you invite Him into that and say, Jesus, this is just who I am. And, and You command me to love You, so I, I, here it is. Help me. And receive His love into that. All right? That the whole man is willingly surrendered to the Most High and that through it an identity or sameness of spirit with the Lord is acquired. That's the goal. The man or the person... Being made a partaker of the divine nature, that means God's nature becomes our nature, having the mind in Him which was in Christ, and thus dwelling in God and, and God in Him. So the purpose is that we see our whole being, all of our psychology, in God, not apart from God. Alright? And, and, and being in God... And He's the focus of our soul. He then has access to bring healing. Okay? Does this make sense at all? Me? Let's just pray. <clears throat> just close your eyes for a minute. Wet my lips so they stop sticking together. <clears throat> Alright, Father. We all have soul issues. We have hurts, we have memories, we have obstacles in our psychology, in our psyche. We don't understand, we have subconscious things and things we're aware of. And Lord, we invite you into that. Say, just say out loud, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, invite you I invite you into my soul. I yield my soul completely to you. I dedicate my psychology 
to love you completely. Help me, Lord, to fulfill that command. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Mary Lee is going to come and give some.